0: this is in focus from control risks the global specialist risk consultancy each episode of in focus brings you in-depth analysis and perspective from a different corner of our global network of experts
1: hello my name is charlie warren and i'm a partner in control risks asia pacific business based in singapore on this episode of In Focus, we're going to be looking at the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on the global private market investor community. The investment climate created by the COVID-19 pandemic has demanded strong stomachs as fortune has drained from some sectors overnight and seen others flush with opportunity. While there is optimism about private market investors' ability to weather and indeed aid the response to the pandemic, the scale of the economic crisis will depend on how governments balance public safety with economic growth and international cooperation with domestic demands. What is clear is that across all global markets, COVID-19 has accelerated an emerging set of risks that private market investors will need to consider. On this episode, we will be asking our experts to discuss some of these key risk issues, how they are impacting our investor clients' overall investment strategies, and how clients can enhance their diligence and risk assessment processes to evaluate individual opportunities in the current climate. Joining me for this discussion are two experts from our global team. John Seddon, a principal in our Americas team based in Toronto. Hi, Charlie. And Henry Smith, a partner in our Europe, and Middle East and Africa team based in London. Hi, Charlie. Henry, for the first several months of the pandemic, almost all of our investor clients' time was dedicated to providing support to their portfolios and to their people. Now, as organizations have adjusted to working under the pandemic conditions, we've seen many of our investor clients gradually begin to shift focus towards exploring new investment opportunities. In this context, how have private market investors' interests changed since COVID-19?
0: You're absolutely right to say, Charlie, that the first few months were about protecting people and portfolios of existing interests. Now, this included cash and cost management for companies that had falling revenues and granting them access to government support and job retention schemes. However, I've certainly seen in Europe from around May onwards, and certainly this is a view shared by colleagues of ours around the world, that our investor clients have returned to quite familiar levels of activity over the summer months. We've seen infrastructure funds continue with deals. I think this is in large part because the underlying business model and associated valuations can be less exposed to economic fluctuations than say corporate entities. That said, buyout and growth funds have been looking at deals too with some notable opportunities concluded in the past few months. I've personally seen life science, health and sports related transactions, which makes sense given the economic context that we're in at the moment. However, the distressed market for credit or equity deals doesn't seem to have taken off just yet, as some people have indicated. I think our expectation is generally that that will happen as we move into the autumn.
1: John, as we've seen over the past few months, COVID-19 has accelerated an emerging set of risks that have forced private market investors to adapt their overall investment strategies, including their approach to due diligence and risk assessments. What, in your view, are some of the critical risk issues that investors are facing with regards to evaluating new opportunities and in investments? I think a critical question
2: is, how did they handle the pandemic or how are they continuing to handle it? And this question or set of questions sits at the heart of any evaluation as it influences revenue and cost considerations. But then it runs much deeper than that. For example, we've had investors who've asked us to help them understand how a target company has fared against its competitors on reputational issues writ large. And in our discussions, that's included environmental, social, and governance performance, as well as things like how they've managed supplier, customer, and labor relations during the pandemic. Now, of course, these matters mattered prior to the pandemic, but they're more salient now because of how the political context has evolved, but also, importantly, how the social context has changed, too. And when we speak of changes to the social context, it's important to see how private companies are responding to social activism around diversity and inclusion, Um, perhaps most notably in recent months with the Black Lives Matter campaign. Private market investors want to know how diversity and inclusion is handled and what the culture of a target feels like. And that's actually quite a difficult thing to do particularly when you can't travel to meet people in person and see how it's actually operating. Now, more broadly, it's clear from conversations with clients and some of our recent findings that understanding how a management team performed during the pandemic is a critical data point. Have they led their organization in a way that has enhanced or damaged their reputation? Things like a key person risk or how a leadership team performs has always been front and center in diligence though I think in some respects that that's particularly the case now. We've had a project recently for a private equity client in which we established that a technology target company's key risk issues were to do with how leadership decisions were made, which gave them a glimpse on the culture of the organization that they took up with the management team discussions. Now I'm very confident that this will feature prominently in future diligence with them. Now, I think you can tell a lot from an organization by trying to gauge how it performs on inclusion. It shows the intent of its leadership to do things well and appropriately and indicates there's space for questioning and dissent. This is important for all sorts of risk issues, ESG, DEI, and financial crime
1: compliance. John, it's interesting that you mentioned financial crime. How do you see the risks around financial fraud and malfeasance for investors in their portfolios in the current climate?
2: It's an interesting question, Charlie. We've we've had requests from private equity clients to look at existing portfolio companies and specific allegations of wrongdoing during the pandemic. And of course, this is something that we've seen before in earlier economic crises. Also, we know that many investors have been working closely with their portfolio companies to stay on top of compliance challenges in the current context and sort of help them adapt to what is a hugely disruptive and challenging time. And so this includes, for instance, addressing specific challenges to do with data, and data governance and cybersecurity because so many people are working from home as well as things like how companies have accessed and perhaps taken advantage of government schemes to boost economies. I think it's important to stress that while there are some issues that will be part of a greater focus, so around diversity and inclusion and ESG, financial crime
1: will very much remain central to due diligence efforts. Henry, we have i heard from several clients that they have found it extremely difficult to move forward with any meaningful diligence given travel restrictions, closure of government agencies, and the resultant challenges in collecting information and data on the ground. In Southeast Asia, for example, which as you know is my patch, international travel has almost ground to a halt over the past few months, and this situation is unlikely to change until next year, as it is in many other parts of the world. I'd be interested to know, are there any workarounds to this? Or is there any advice that we can give our clients on how they can undertake risk assessments and diligence with these restrictions in place?
0: We're working with a couple of development finance type organizations in Africa, for example, who are looking at lending and investment targets in the continent. Now, these organizations are desperate to release their funding for obvious reasons given economic conditions that we're facing and the political mandates of these organizations. But they typically want access to people and facilities as part of their diligence processes. So we've been looking at ways in which we can step in to help them with that on the ground operational diligence that they would typically do themselves in person. So in practical terms, we're seeing clients ask us to meet with the management of particular target companies and to run through questionnaires in person with those people. We're being asked to go and look at facilities and sites, and in some cases to collect documentation. This work is being done often alongside more typical due diligence that control risk is asked to do in which we are more discreet and covert in the way in which we gather intelligence and information. The extent to which this on-site, on the ground, diligence that we're providing is required, is going to vary depending on whether people can travel, most obviously, but it also varies depending on the sector that a target company is in. A manufacturing company is a lot more for you to physically see and inspect than a technology company does. And a technology company can be considered remotely in a way that perhaps a manufacturing company can't be. There's also an interesting cultural dynamic around this as well, in that in some cultural contexts, People put far more weight and significance on in-person meetings, which means that they're not comfortable proceeding with mandates when they're only meeting people virtually or remotely. Either way, though, I think the demand for this type of on-the-ground diligence and people using different networks of people to help them with their diligence is something that's going to continue somewhat inevitably as these different lockdowns continue to remain in place.
1: Let's now look at some of these risk issues through a wider lens. The pandemic has come at a time of heightened geopolitical tension and in many ways has exacerbated political and regulatory risk in both developed and emerging markets. In many developed markets, for example, governments are introducing national security investment clearance regimes for foreign investors. In many instances, national governments' responses to the pandemic has added a further layer of complexity to already challenging and opaque markets for foreign investors. John, how do you see political risks impacting investor strategies moving forward? This is such a big, but also very
2: important question. I think it's correct to say that political risk has fundamentally changed, not because these risks are new, and indeed our our recent Risk Map publication makes this very point, but because different types of political risks come faster and harder than they would have done without the pandemic. Charlie, you mentioned protectionism in the form of foreign investment screening. And this is one great example Now, if we consider Europe here, then we're looking at regimes that cover foreign investors taking even minority positions in many key sectors of the economy with variable reporting and notification periods and really unclear decision-making between agencies. Now, it's a highly politicized process that hasn't really been tested yet and an area that will become more politicized as unemployment almost inevitably spikes into the autumn and as job retention schemes end. More broadly, I'd say that 2020 was always going to be a challenging time from a political risk perspective. The US elections and the trade and tech tensions between China and the United States were going to create challenging and really uncertain conditions prior to the pandemic. However, the pandemic has thrown a new dynamic into the US election and further polarised the relationship between China and the United States. Its other political effects are are also quite clear. First, we've seen how social activism, or what we refer to as the activist society, is influencing decisions about investment strategy across a variety of areas, probably most specifically around ESG. Secondly, supply chains have been reconsidered with a focus on onshoring and even just scenario planning around alternatives in order to keep those supply chains resilient. And then thirdly, we've seen a huge buildup of sovereign debt in developed and also in emerging markets.
1: My last question today is for you, Henry. I think we would all agree that over the past few months, it has at times felt difficult to look beyond the day-to-day now that perhaps we are in a better position to take a longer term view, what do you think we're likely to see in the next six to 12 months in terms of the outlook for private market investors? There's been a lot of speculation that we're likely seeing increase in distressed opportunities, for example. What are your thoughts on this and any other potential market trends we are likely to see?
0: I think it's really important to look as far as we can beyond the day-to-day because ultimately we're talking about an investment timeline here that's typically quite extended. And John's rightfully pointed to some of the longer term political risk trends that we're seeing. In terms of where we expect there to be movement and opportunities, I would say firstly, infrastructure will continue to be necessary and slightly better insulated from economic challenges. Now there are different wins within infrastructure, of course, so there will be more movement towards renewables. I'm sure of that, however, airports, potentially cruise ports. These are areas where you would expect organizations to struggle and there may be more distressed plays or credit plays for some of our clients there. Looking at corporate opportunities or growth and buyer opportunities, I think life science and digital or technology are clearly attractive sectors. But more broadly, really what we're looking at here is sectors where you're able to say confidently as an investor, that the target companies' revenues are going to be resilient under potentially new waves of a virus or during another significant or extended economic downturn. You mentioned distressed, Charlie, and I think at least in Europe, this is an area that we expect to see grow in autumn as government support and job retention schemes unfortunately begin to phase out. This is an area where we're seeing some movement already. I mean, you do see organizations looking for alternative sources of funding. And I think some of the large credit funds clearly see opportunities there in some of the sectors that have really struggled from a revenue point of view. We're also seeing it in areas where we didn't see so much private interest in the past. An area where we're seeing movement already though is in sports and particularly for us in European football. And I think more investment in sport will come now from entities looking to do it for a profit rather than the political protection or status, which was perhaps how some of the interest was formed around five to 10 years ago, where you saw money coming from politically exposed people or indeed governments to buy large brands in Europe. And if the interest is being driven by purely profit generating concerns, then there will be a need for much more engaged diligence and legal advice along the way.
1: Thank you very much, Henry, for sharing your insights with us today. You're welcome, Charlie. Thank you. And thank you, John. You're welcome, Charlie. Thank you. This presentation is part of Control Risk's global series of investor insights, offering commentary and analysis of how opportunities are changing for private market investors and the risk issues to consider when evaluating new deals. Be sure to tune in to our featured webinars on today's topic that provide a view into the Middle East, Africa, Asia Pacific, the Americas, and Europe from our colleagues on the ground in those regions.
0: If you enjoyed what you heard on this episode of In Focus, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen. And be sure to subscribe to our other podcasts as well, such as The Global Insight, our fortnightly panel discussion exploring the impact of the most pressing issues on global business. All of our podcasts are available wherever you listen. Just search Control Risks. You can follow all of our analysis and find out how we are helping businesses build organizations that are secure, compliant, and resilient by visiting controlrisks.com.